0: How's this? <laughs> All right, welcome everyone. Glad to have you join us this morning. Uh, you know, over the over the past number of weeks, we've been talking, especially about this theme of love and loving well. How you know, it's not about how much we have. It's not about how much we know. It's not about how much we do. It's ultimately about how well we love. Jesus said this, he says, By this all people will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love is the aim, love is the means, love is the measure of our success. And I want to take some time to talk to you today about one of the uh, expressions or aspects of that love that we are to have. And so we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-11 to 11, together this morning. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So Peter starts in verse 7 here and he says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, when we think about the end being near, one of the things that I think about is, when my, my kids were, were still going to school and had to get on the school bus uh, in the morning. And, uh, you know, when the school bus is at the end of our road, at that point, you prioritize what needs to get done in order that the kids can get on the bus. When the school bus is at the end of the road, it's not the time to be petting the bunny or playing with toys no, it's not even the time to be finishing your breakfast. You can take that to go. Your homework's not done, too bad. Get your coat on and get out that door to get on the bus. right? When the end is near, we prioritize what matters, what needs to be done. And here Peter tells us, the end is near, so focus on what matters. And what does he say matters here in this passage? He says, above all, above everything else, keep loving one another earnestly and then he goes on to show us what loving one another looks like and he talks about this thing here of hospitality he says show hospitality to one another now I don't know what you but for me when I think about hospitality I think about things like the the concierge at the lobby the front desk of a hotel I think about having people over for a meal at our house. Those are the things that come to mind when I think about hospitality. But actually, biblically speaking, hospitality is so much more than that. The New Testament word for hospitality is the word phyloxenos. Phyloxenos. And it's a Greek word that's made up of two words. Philos and senos. Philos, meaning friend. And senos, meaning meaning stranger. And so literally speaking, what hospitality means is to be friends of strangers or having a love for strangers. And so when we think about hospitality, it is so much more than inviting somebody over to my house after church for a meal or, you know, providing a meal for somebody who we know is in in need right now. It's actually befriending strangers. It's actually loving people that we don't know, that we've never met, inviting them into our house and making them part of our family. That's the biblical understanding of hospitality. Now, for many of us, welcoming friends into our home right now, let alone strangers, is a a faint memory. It's a distant hope that we're clinging onto these days. One day, things will open up. One, one day, soon, and very soon, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, things are going to open up. We will actually be able to have people over again at, at our house. And as things open up, I want to I remind us, this is something that we need to get right. This is something that we ought to prioritize within our lives, practicing the art of hospitality. And so I want to take some time today to talk to you about why hospitality is so important for us to practice and and also actually how we can practice hospitality within our lives right here, right now. So, first off, why is hospitality important? Why does it matter? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, and you go back to the Israelites and the law that God gave them, actually, in the law, in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 to 34, it says, And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you As one born among you. And you shall love him as yourself. Watch this. It says, For you were strangers in the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Okay? And so, God's God's saying to his people here, Listen, you understand what it's like to be a foreigner. You remember what, what it means to be strangers dwelling in somebody else's land. And for that reason, Show hospitality. Now, for us, maybe we don't understand, maybe not all of us know what it's like to be dwelling in another land and to be a foreigner or a stranger in some place, physically speaking. But the reality is, every single one of us knows what it's like to be a a stranger or a foreigner, spiritually speaking. Right? And I'm reminded here of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, talking about us, he says, You were foreigners. To the covenants of the promise. You're without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, in other words, one of the the main reasons why we ought to practice hospitality towards others, why we ought to befriend strangers, is because that's what God did to us. God showed his hospitality towards us, and out of that place, we ought to show it to one another. Nancy DeMoss Vogelmuth, in her book Adorned, she says this, At the heart of the gospel, at the heart of the cross, is the Lord Jesus opening his arms wide and saying, I want you to come home with me. The the reason we should practice hospitality and befriend strangers is because of God's hospitality Towards us, But I also think there's some other really great reasons why we should be practicing hospitality together. And one of those reasons especially is the fact that I believe it's one of the ways that God is looking to grow us and to grow his kingdom. I believe hospitality is one of the ways that God plans to bring about growth in our lives and within his church. And so first, for us, what what do I mean by that? Well, look at what Peter says here in 1 Peter 4, verse 9. He says, show hospitality to one another, and then he adds this, without grumbling. Without grumbling. Now, for some of us, I can imagine that hospitality is something that, that we're not even close to grumbling about. We are so excited about it. We just, we ooze hospitality. We can't wait to invite people over to our house and, and, and even strangers, come on in. We just love connecting with people and hospitality is just such a, a gift for us that we can't help but do it. But for many of us, the idea of befriending strangers and inviting foreigners into our home as family, like it, it seems like a, an inconvenient uncomfortable thing that is especially hard it it requires change it means disruption within our lives and it's easy to feel like we're we're too busy like we have too much going on to actually get involved in this thing of hospitality but hospitality is one of these things that God has designed to help us actually grow in this thing of loving others It's key to us growing in character and growing in uh, love, learning how to love. You know, we can talk about, we can talk time and time again, week after week about love. It's about love. We can talk about the ways in which we can can act more loving towards one another and, and how we can grow in love, but we can also put ourselves in a place where we actually have to practice this thing of loving one another. Where, where we're almost forced to grow in love. Hospitality keeps us from living this self-centered life, uh, in the same way that giving keeps us from from living in, in greed and causes us to be generous. Hospitality keeps us from being focused on ourselves and teaches us and and, and trains us how to how to grow in love. For all of us, for for. Almost all of us, I can imagine. It's not that difficult for us to focus on ourselves. It's, it's just far too easy. Without even thinking, we, thinking we find ourselves focusing on, on our, ourselves, loving ourselves. But how do you know, as we've been talking about time and time again, Jesus says, th- this is what it's about. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's interesting in that passage in Luke chapter 10, this, this religious leader, this teacher, expert in the law, he looks to justify himself and he says, Jesus, who, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story that we, we know, that we call uh, the Good Samaritan. And the Samaritan man who finds this, this other man who is, is bleeding and left to die on the side of the road, and he gets off his donkey. And he puts this man on it, and he bandages his wounds, and he puts oil and wine on him, and he takes him to this inn. He pays for him to stay there, and he actually stays overnight there with him, looking after this man. And the next day, he goes to the innkeeper, and the Samaritan man says, hey, would you look after this, this man, and I'll, I'll pay you for it. And when I, I'll come back again later, and whatever, whatever extra expenses are there, I'll, I'll pay for that as well. I mean, that's hospitality, right? That's, That's befriending strangers. But one of the things that strikes me about that passage that I've never seen before is the end of Luke chapter 10. You know the story that comes immediately after the story of the Good Samaritan? It's the story of Mary and Martha having Jesus over at their house, and and. Obviously, Jesus isn't a stranger. He's not a a foreigner, but they're showing him hospitality here. And look at what that hospitality leads to. As Martha's practicing this thing of hospitality, she's going, Lord, tell Mary to get in here and help me in the kitchen. And Jesus says, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing's needed. As Martha's practicing this thing of hospitality, she's becoming aware of areas of her life where she needs to grow in love. And God is looking to grow her in loving him and in loving others. The same thing happens in our lives. As we practice hospitality, we will grow in our love, and we will see areas of her life where we need to grow in love for others. It's one of the ways that God looks to grow us, It's also a way in which we grow in our gifting. Because as Peter says in 1 Peter 4, he says, each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We've all received a grace gift. We all have a measure of God's grace in our lives that's not for us to sit on our fanny and feel good about ourselves, but it's actually for us to use to bless others, to be a blessing. We are are to be a channel of his blessings, to have those rivers of grace flow through our lives. And each one of us carries a measure of grace. How do we grow in that grace? It's by using it. It's by practicing it, right? And hospitality is part of that process. So hospitality is important for us to practice because it's a means to God growing us. But it's also a means to God growing his, his kingdom, I mean, we're not just to pray for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done. We're to demonstrate it. We're to walk it out. We're to live it out. And one of the ways to do that is through hospitality. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus begins his earthly ministry by proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. By chapter 2, what do we see him doing? He's sitting down with sinners and with tax collectors for dinner. Jesus is befriending foreigners. He's befriending the outcasts. And one of the ways in which we see his kingdom advancing is through the dinner table. Chad Ashby, he has this quote that I love. He says, As It has been Christ's plan since the beginning of the church to advance his kingdom through dinner tables. One of the ways that God's kingdom is demonstrated and advanced is through hospitality. We see this with Jesus, and we see it with his disciples. As he sends out his disciples, in in Luke 9, he sends them out, and he gives them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure all diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom. And he says, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Hospitality plays a key role in the advancement, the proclamation, and the advancement of the gospel. Same with the early church. You look at the early church, and in Acts chapter 2, it talks about how there was no one needy among them, right? They, they shared everything in common. They continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, hospitality, is to play a key role in the advancement of God's kingdom, in the growth of his church. And for these reasons and a host of others, we should, as, Peter said, or as Paul says in Romans 12, verse 13, he says, seek to show hospitality. Don't wait for hospitality to come knocking at your door. Seek it out. Pursue it. Look for opportunities to be hospitable, to befriend strangers. Uh, how can we practice this within our lives right now? Because you might be saying, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying and I recognize that this is important, but the reality is we're on we're a lockdown right now. We've got this stay-at-home order going on. So, you know, like we'll get to this one day, but not right here, right now. Well, let me tell you how we can practice this thing of hospitality right here, right now. And, and I want to share with you um, uh, a new and exciting initiative that our our church is is looking to be part of. Um, And I wanna tell you about how you can get involved in that. It's called Safe Families for Children. And, And what it is, is it's a movement of compassion that is creating space and structure for the church to practice biblical hospitality in caring for children and families in need. So what Safe Families for Children does is it allows parents who are in crisis and in need of support the choice to voluntarily place their children with a Christian family in a safe and loving home to be cared for temporarily while they get back on their feet, while they develop healthy rhythms within their life and and seek to get stable. Okay, And so before families are, are broken up, before kids are being taken away, Uh, from their parents and placed into welfare custody. Safe Families for Children is there to provide support to struggling parents and a safe place for these kids with the goal ultimately always of having the kids return to their parents. Uh, And so I am so excited about this, and I feel like this is so in line with God's heart. And it's actually something that despite COVID is still going on, is still happening right now. Uh, There's still families that are in crisis. There's still kids that are in need, probably now more than ever. And this is an amazing opportunity that we have as a church to practice this thing of biblical hospitality. Now, to give you a a better picture and more of an idea of what it's all about, we're going to show a video clip. Now, the video is uh, just over seven minutes long. But I I really hope it will help you guys see what Safe Families for Children is about and it will stir your heart to get involved in this thing. So uh, enjoy, let's watch this together.
1: This is Nellie Roya. She's a committed single mom of two beautiful kids. But Nellie has been struggling.
2: I'm bipolar and have severe depression problems and PTSD. I was pregnant, and I lost my baby due to a car accident.
1: Nellie was overwhelmed. She had no one to turn to for help. No family, no friends, no one. It's just hard to even imagine that when
3: you're in trouble and you look at your phone and you actually have nobody to call, there
1: are a ton of people that are in that situation. And then someone reported her to Child Protective Services. She faced the very real possibility of losing her kids.
2: When I got in touch with my therapist, I told her that I wanted to commit suicide. My therapist called me and was like, I have a program for you.
1: We'll get back to Nelly, but before we do, you should meet the guy who started a movement to help people like her, Dave Anderson. While working as a psychologist 20 years ago, He met a little girl who had been severely beaten. Then I met the mom, and I
3: had to admit that I was a little angry at her.
1: The little girl's mom told Dave that she had to work, and her daughter had gotten sick. If she missed one more day of work, they were going to fire her. So having nowhere else to turn, she asked her ex-boyfriend to watch her daughter. And while she was at work, he beat her.
3: I really just started to think, boy, if we could have offered this mom a place for a child to go and caring people that just wanted to be helpful to her, that this whole situation could have
1: been avoided. That experience and that insight prompted Dave and his wife, Karen, to start rethinking an institution that affects over 400,000 American kids and their parents, the foster care system. Can
3: I interrupt and give you some information on safe families?
1: Their movement Safe Families for Children is based on a really simple idea. While there are situations that require the kids be removed from the care of their parents, the vast majority of individuals caught up in the foster care system are really great parents who love their kids. And the problem is they're alone and facing crisis.
2: If you dig a little deeper, why? Why were things not going well? They didn't have the family, friends, neighbors who could step in to provide the extra support.
3: We believe that that parent is capable to be the parent that their children need them to be. It's really all about relationships. If they're in their situation because of social isolation, they need relationships that continue after kids are returned home.
1: Safe Families exists to provide a supportive community and resources to struggling parents before it becomes necessary for the state to step in and remove their children. Put another way, Safe Families exists to connect volunteers like Danielle Patelis with parents like Nellie Roya. Hi, Miss Chloe.
4: I love you, Chris.
1: (laughs) A couple years back, Danielle started to look into ways that she could help foster kids, and that's when she found Safe Families.
4: It was everything that I had been praying about and looking for. But I was also still not sure how that was going to play out in terms of me being a single woman, number one, and living in a house of other single women. One thing about Safe Families was that they were extremely inclusive.
1: The day after completing the vetting and approval process, Safe Families matched Danielle and her roommates with Nellie, Chloe, and Christina. They've been caring for the kids full time for the past four months.
4: Christina is <laughs> such a talker. She asks so many questions a day.
3: What's your name? How do you know?
1: You got two brothers, hot older than. She's a good yeah, you're yeah. a great question. An yeah.
4: And Chloe, she loves being active. Sure. Good job. Yeah. The whole goal when we started this as a house was to have hospitality for whoever we would be serving. But I think it kind of went to the next level with Nelly because she and I just clicked. I tell her it's kind of hard for me to make friends
2: or maintain a friendship. And with Danielle, it's like they have become like my heart family.
1: What do you mean your heart family? What do you mean by
2: that? (laughs) I'm going to cry on this one. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. I I don't talk to my family at all. Personal issues, and with them I feel like with her I can talk about anything. And Laura too, she's both of them. I have like I had talked more to them, so it's really amazing. Sorry, it's
4: been such a blessing to to be her community, and this isn't something that's gonna be temporary. We've all become their aunts, and that's gonna be something that even lasts for a lifetime. It's so cool. Sorry, i sorry. Oh, <laughs> Tearing up, it's just really cool, yeah.
1: Nellie is still struggling, but with Danielle and her roommate's help, she's starting to get back on her feet. Since their founding 15 years ago, Safe Families has facilitated nearly 50,000 hostings and most significantly, sees parents reunified with their kids 95% of the time. Now, for context, that's nearly double the reunification rate of the foster care system. But Dave feels like they're just getting started. He has a very ambitious dream for the next three years. He wants to get to one million volunteers. And Dave understands that not everyone can host, which is why Safe Families has created numerous ways that individuals can be a part of this transformative community of support. And if they can make it happen, if they can get to a million volunteers, they believe that they could prevent tens of thousands of kids from entering the foster care system.
3: We could take out all the kids that don't really need it, so the system can only care for those that really need it. It's just incredible to think about the opportunities that we have.
2: I've done a lot of home studies of people willing to do safe families. Some of them are big, extravagant, fancy homes. Some of them are small apartments and everything in between. Safe Families is not a program. Safe Families is a movement. Ordinary people who just are taking a step to make a difference in the lives of people who need it.
1: Thanks for watching. To learn more about how you can get involved, visit safe-families.org. Okay,
0: so, hopefully, that will give you a better, a better picture of what uh, Safe Families for Children is about and uh, whet your appetite for, for getting involved in it. Uh, obviously, this is uh, American statistics, but Safe Families has expanded in many parts of Canada as well as in the UK. And uh, and it's so important here right now. Uh, as Lee shared last week, on a, on a monthly average in Ontario alone, there are almost 10,000 kids in the foster care system. That's just Ontario, think about that. Um, now, as far as Safe Families goes, Really, anyone can be involved in it, and there are many different roles that that people can play. You don't have to be married, you don't have to have a huge house, and you don't have to push pause on your life in order to practice this thing of hospitality. Uh, There's different ways that you can be involved, and safe families, uh, they provide a network of support. And so some of the different ways that you can be involved are things like prayer, praying for uh, the, the family in crisis, praying for the kids, praying for the family that hosts them. There's a, a host family, a group of people who are committed to opening up their home for a short time to, uh, to take care of the kids while the parent or, or parents get back on their feet. There's the family friends, uh, some people who help out with things like, like babysitting or transportation for the kids or providing a break for the host family once in a while. There's a family coach who, who visits the host family and, and checks in on the kid, but is also meeting with the parent or parents that are in crisis. There's resource friends, people that provide meals and clothing and other practical things to help out the host family and their parents. And so there's many different ways that you can be involved in this thing. Um, and, uh, and I just, I just want to encourage you guys to prayerfully consider doing so. Uh, This is something that that we ought to, as the Bible says, seek out, pursue, uh, practice, hospitality. And so if you're at all interested, uh, I encourage you to join us for our information meeting that's happening on June 10th at 7 p.m. And you can find the link to register for that meeting in the weekly uh, email update. Uh, If you don't get the weekly email update, you can email me, greg at lifehouse.ca, and uh, I, can, I can send you the information for it. Uh, I just want you to prayerfully consider how you can reciprocate God's hospitality uh, towards those that are in need. And uh, I'll just close with this scripture. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 46, he says, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? We're called to, to love and befriend strangers as well. And is it hard? Absolutely, but it's so incredibly rewarding. In this time where, where things are just upside down, it's an opportunity for us to live on purpose. And, uh, and really, to this is what we're made for. We're made to love well. And so I just want to bless you guys to extend hospitality in the same way that Christ has shown it to us. Bless you.
5: Hey, Greg, that was an awesome message. Seriously, that was just such an incredible, I learned a lot on hospitality just with the message that Greg gave us today. So uh, thank you so much. And again, that Safe Families is, is one of the ways that we're going to be practicing hospitality as a community. The community cafe that we're talking about is another way we want to be practicing hospitality as, as a community. And I just want to encourage you, as you listening to this this morning as well, the recognition of us opening up our homes, you know, to one another. And that's we're going to have that opportunity again soon, where is you know, as opposed to, Just having a few life groups imagine if we had like homes open everywhere across the city and region Where you were opening up your home inviting people to dinner and Discipling people giving an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus and be part of a community There's so many ways for us to practice hospitality And I hope you see this direction that we're going in as a community Where our focus is about living the gospel not just learning about it you know that it's about our everyday lives it's about jesus being there in our life every day and us practicing the kingdom living the kingdom out every day with the people that god brings around us when i was in cuba i was amazed at just at how in 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 a 10-year period the gospel was just spreading like wildfire across the island And it was spreading through a bunch of people connected together. Not not a bunch of people independently, but a bunch of people working in together and just opening up their homes to their neighbors and and others and sharing the gospel with them. And through that, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in a communist nation without church buildings were being saved. And that can happen here in our city by us opening up homes to the, those children that need a place, to families that want to learn about God, you know, to strangers, and just being the people that Jesus has called each and every one of us to be. The gospel is incredibly simple, and may we live it out well. <laughs> I encourage you. Now, this is a message I'm going to listen to again from Greg to make sure that I'm practicing hospitality well in my life. May we all do it and do it well. And may you have the most incredible of weeks. Take care.